Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Now I want to go into the third one. And so if you guys have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14? I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to Matthew chapter 4. Whether you have a glow-in-the-dark Bible or you have a physical copy, or you, got, you can see it right up on the screens. Matthew chapter four. I'm starting off with just one verse, but we're gonna be jumping through the life of Jesus today. And so Matthew chapter four, just starting off with one verse, it reads a little something like this. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. Somebody say wilderness. wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. I'm gonna read that one more time. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil by the devil. Can you guys read this with me one more time? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This one verse and going through the journey and the life of Jesus, I want to preach one message that I've titled, The Sound of Silence. The Sound of Silence. Will you guys join me in prayer? believe that God wants to speak to somebody today. So Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that there's some power and what you did. There's some power in practice. There's some power in just the way that you lived your life, God. And I pray that we may imitate your life, God. I pray that we just may live the life just the way that you lived it, God. Allow us to love people the way that you love people. Allow us to care for people the way that you care for people, God. Allow us to be spirit-filled the way that you were so spirit-filled, God. We want to know you more. I pray that you just may speak to our hearts today, and we absolutely need you this morning. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all Calvary Church says, come on, all Calvary Church says, come on, if you love Jesus, can you make some noise one time? All right, any Marlins fans in the room? The few, the proud, the Marlins fans. Any baseball fans? Anybody love baseball? Okay, okay, so there's more baseball fans than there are Marlins fans, that's for sure. We can all agree on one thing. Baseball is a much slower sport than all the other sports, right? So basketball was my sport. I know it doesn't look it. I'm 5'6", but basketball was a sport that I played growing up. And we know that basketball, it's fast paced. You're going nonstop, basket to basket. It's consistent. One quarter, two quarters, three quarters, four quarters. You are constantly in motion. You are constantly going through some speed. And then there's football, where you know that somebody's going to be slammed to the ground and there's some constant action going on in football. If you watch hockey, you know that you're going to see some fights in a hockey game. If you're watching soccer, you're going to see people running back and forth, and it's just constantly happening. But baseball, baseball is a much slower sport. Baseball, you can sit for maybe two, three hours and watch nine innings and see absolutely nothing happen all the way into the end. Am I right? So I went to a Marlins game a few years ago with some of my high school friends, and I hadn't been to a Mar- I actually haven't been to a Marlins game in forever, but we went with a bunch of my high school friends, and we were enjoying it. Uh, you gotta, you got to get all the food. You got to walk around the ballpark, and so we finally take a seat. We finally go ahead, and this game was a little bit different than any other Marlins game I've been to because this Marlins game went about 13 innings. So if you know anything about baseball, it could go about maybe three hours if you're watching nine innings, but 13 innings, I think we sat there for five hours. Five hours watching this boring, slow game. And I love baseball, I do, I genuinely do. But five hours watching this game. And so we're sitting down and at the end of the game, we're like, hey, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm fed up. Like, honestly, we're thinking about even leaving. But every single one of us, all of my high school friends, we're going ahead, we're sitting in this game and we're all on our phones in the last inning. Everyone, we're like, we're tuned out of the game. And all of a sudden, somebody on the Marlins hits a walk-off hit or a walk-off home run. And every single one of us missed the moment because we were so distracted on our phones. 
And I think of how many times we are so distracted all of the time. We are so distracted by our phones that we miss moments. We miss out on seasons. We miss out on so many things. See, I actually believe that we are actually obsessed with being distracted. We're obsessed with being distracted. We are constantly having to be distracted 100% of our day, 100% of the time, no matter where we are. You could go to a concert, and if the concert has not started yet, everybody's on their phone. You go to a subway station in New York, you go on a subway, and every single person, there's no signal down there, but everybody somehow is doing something on their phone. We wake up in the morning, and the first thing that we grab is our we're always on our phones. We're always distracted. Hey, Alexa, turn on some music. The first thing that we do when we wake up, we're doing the dishes and we got Netflix playing. We got some TV running. We're going ahead. We make sure that we're all caught up on every single movie. We have seen every TV show. We are constantly distracted. We are constantly having some noise. We are constantly being filled by some sort of outside noise. I would go as far as to say as that most of us, we actually hate silence. You don't believe me? I see some of you guys squirming. Some of you guys are grabbing your phones because we hate silence. We irk silence. We hate the thought of silence because we're so used to having so much noise. We're so used to having a constant position of just putting on some sort of media, some sort of social media. I need to see what's happening with everybody else. And not only is it the outside noise that we've created, but now it's this inside noise that we can't seem to shut off. There's an inside noise that's happening in our head. There's an inside noise that no matter what we try to do, it keeps on going and it keeps on going and we keep on hearing things and we keep on doubting ourselves, and we keep on going from noise to noise, from chatter to chatter, and we don't know how to silence it. As a matter of fact, I think there's actually been some consequences to this. See, Microsoft did a study and they said that our attention span was at 12%, I'm sorry, 12 seconds just a few years ago. That has actually dropped down in just a few years to eight seconds. Like 12 seconds is nothing to be proud of, but eight seconds? Like there's some, there's some consequences to this. See, I believe that it's actually gone a little bit further. A lot, for a lot of us, this constant noise, it's actually caused us to feel distant from God, where the only place that we are getting refueled and the only place that we are getting refreshed is off of somebody else's spirituality. And so we watch podcasts and we listen to podcasts and we watch messages hoping that their faith is gonna build up ours. See, I would actually go to say as we've actually lost our own self. We've lost our identity because we're so stuck comparing to somebody else's on social media and filling ourselves with that distraction that we don't even know our identity anymore. We don't even know our calling. We don't even know who we are. We don't even know what to do. And it goes even further. I would say that we would actually, we feel anxious over and over and over again because we're always just trying to play catch up. We're exhausted to the point where no matter how many hours of sleep you got last night, you're still tired. You're still exhausted. You're still, your eyes are bloodshot. We turn to escapes of choice like alcohol. We turn to escapes of choice of just asking somebody else to validate me. We go to escapes of choice of more Netflix TV shows, more social media, having to see what everybody else is doing. And the temptation in our life, it keeps on growing stronger. And the temptation, it just keeps on getting bigger. And what's happening is it's distancing us even further away from God. And we found ourselves in a predicament. We found ourselves to have a problem because of the constant noise that we've allowed in our life. And for some of us, I know I could say that's been me. And I'm sure for some of you, you could say, you've literally just explained my life in just a minute. 
And that's the problem with most of our lives. We have so much noise on the outside and so much noise on the inside. Well, what's the solution to this? What's the solution to this? Because this has been my life and I can't keep going like this. I can't keep struggling like this. I can't keep walking into this season like this. What is the solution? I think the solution is in the way that Jesus lived his life. The way that Jesus lived his life. There's one thing that he talks about and there's one thing that he actually lives out that I think can help us so much today. And that practice is ready. Silence and solitude. Somebody say it with me. Silence and solitude. Jesus, he actually doesn't even talk about it that much. Jesus, maybe there's one passage where Jesus talks about, it's in Matthew chapter six, where he says this. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right? One of the only times that maybe Jesus talks about it. And actually, he's not even addressing people, really. He's addressing the Pharisees, that they had to make their prayers so out loud that everybody had to see how spiritually they pray, how amazing they pray. Man, I just want to be like the Pharisees, because they pray like that. And Jesus is saying, you know what's even greater than praying out loud and praying verbally? Go into a solitary place, go into a room, close the door, and pray, because there's rewards in that. Now, does it mean that we stop praying as a congregation? Does it mean that we stop praying up here? It does not because we know that there is power when we get into a room and we can pray together. And as a congregation, we lift up our hands and we stir up our faith and we're believing that, hey, I'm not just praying right here, but I'm praying on my everyday base and I'm lifting up my hands and there's power in praying as a congregation, but more than just praying as a congregation and as a church, there is rewards in praying in silence and solitude. But one of the only times that Jesus talks about this is in Matthew chapter six. Okay, so Jesus only talked about it maybe once, maybe briefly mentions it in other passages. And why is it worth us talking about? If he only talked about it once and we're living the life of Jesus and we're talking about what Jesus talks about, then why are we gonna talk about something that he talks about so little? Because I I believe that more than just talking about it, Jesus lived it. Jesus modeled silence. Jesus modeled solitude. And he shows that there is power in this. There's power in this practice. And we see that when something is a practice, it doesn't have to be said. When something is a practice in our life, it does not have to be talked about. NBA players don't need to talk about how great their basketball game is. They're, what's going to show off their basketball game is how much they perform. It's going to be on how much they've practiced. It's not about how much they talk about it. When something is a practice in our life, it's going to be something that is shown. It's going to be something that is lived in Jesus models silence and solitude for us. Well, where's the first time that Jesus shows us what silence and solitude is like? It's back in that passage that we just read right at the beginning. See, right at the beginning, Jesus had just been baptized, like some of you guys are gonna do next week. Jesus had just been baptized, and it says that the Spirit left, led him into the wilderness to where he was tempted by the devil. Wait, 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 so you're saying that the Spirit led Jesus to be tempted? No, what I'm saying is that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Now, let me tell you why this is crazy. The word wilderness translates to the word eremos. Can somebody say eremos? See, the word eremos, it can translate towards wilderness. It can translate to something like desert or, ready? It can translate to something called solitary place. So the the Spirit led Jesus to a solitary place. It led him into solitude. It led him into silence. And we can think that, of course, 
The devil would tempt Jesus, and he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights because at that point, he hasn't eaten anything. He hasn't had a cheeseburger. He hasn't had pan con lechon. He hasn't had anything. Of course, he's going to get He's going to be at his weakest when he's been fasting and when he's been in silence and we've been in solitude. But the reality is, I would go on to say that silence and solitude wasn't where Jesus was at his weakness, but in fact, it was when he was at his strongest. Silence and solitude is not a place of weakness, but it's a place of strength. It's a place where we need to go to. And what was Jesus doing when he was in silence and solitude? He was withdrawing away from people. He was withdrawing away from ministry duties. And he was withdrawing from everything to go ahead and be alone with his father and pray. Silence and solitude is when we can get alone with just God and our soul. There's no distractions. There's no people. My phone is off. TV is off. It's just me and God the complete flawed version of myself, the version that's insecure, the version that's made mistakes, the version that I'm not trying to hide anything, the one that's just full of flaws and saying, God, I'm not hiding from you. I'm coming and it's just me and you in silence and solitude. Nobody else. A lot of us in this room are probably like, oh, I do this all the time. I don't like people. And so I stay away from people all the time, but I need you to catch this. Solitude is not isolation. Solitude is not isolation. And so a lot of us are falling into isolation and to the point where I now stay away from people and there's nobody that's building me up. There's nobody that's keeping me accountable. There's nobody that's checking in on me. There's nobody that's seeing that I'm okay. There's nobody that's building me up. There's nobody that's pouring into me. There's nobody that I can read my Bible with. There's nobody I could pray with. And because of that, we are actually living lonely, but God didn't call us to live lonely. He called us to go into a place of solitude. I love the way that John Mark Comer puts it. He's a Christian author, pastor. He says that solitude is intentional and we engage in solitude while isolation is an escape. Solitude is safe while isolation is a dangerous place to be in. Solitude is helpful while isolation is harmful. Solitude is where you can hear from God. Isolation is where you allow the enemy to speak into you. We go into solitude. We don't go into isolation. Solitude is in silence and it's a place we need to settle in today. And we see that Jesus said that there's rewards to doing this. There's rewards to getting alone. There's, there's power, there's benefits when we can get into silence and solitude. And I just wanna take a journey onto Jesus's life. I wanna take a journey throughout his ministry, throughout his life and see that every time that he went into silence, and we could literally talk about this for days, but I just wanna bring up just a few moments where Jesus went into silence and solitude and how it blessed his life. And I believe how it can bless ours today. And so first Jesus, again, the first time we saw it in the Eremos, in the wilderness, was the first time he goes into silence and solitude. But literally right after his first day on the job, Jesus had just been healing people left and right. Jesus had just been casting out demons. He had been doing all this work and I'm sure he was tired. He was exhausted. He had been going through it. He was probably like, hey, I'm ready to go to sleep. It says this in Mark chapter one. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Does that sound familiar? Right after his first day on the job, he went right back to the Eremos. Why? Because solitude is continual. Solitude is continual. It's not a one-time event. It's not a place that you just go to once. It's not a place that you said, well, I did this today at church, and so I'm not going to do this for another five years. No, solitude is continual. Jesus, he had to do this often. We see it again in Mark chapter 2, literally the chapter right after. It says, once again, whew, 
once again. That means he did this again and again and again. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. See, if Jesus couldn't do his ministry effectively without going into silence and solitude, what makes us think that we can? If Jesus couldn't go through his life from day to day and glory to glory and working on helping people after people, what makes us think that we can? We need silence and solitude. It's a continual thing. It's a thing that we absolutely need in our lives, just like Jesus needed it himself. And so Jesus, he's continuing his life. Jesus is continuing his ministry. Now he's got a ton of people that are following him, a ton of disciples that are following him. And now he's found in a predicament where he's got to make a solid choice. He's got to make a big choice. He's got to decide who are going to be his 12 apostles, who are going to be his guys, because these guys have a lot to do. They're going to have the authority to cast out demons. They're going to have the authority to preach. These guys are going to literally be the future of the church. They're literally going to determine the, how Jesus' mission goes. So who Jesus chooses is important. Who Jesus chooses is vital. Who Jesus chooses, this is a solid decision that he's got to make. And I love what it says in Luke chapter 6. It says, one of these days... Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God, another place of solitude. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Why? Because Jesus went into silence and solitude for clarity. I don't know about you, but I know I need some clarity in my life, and I want to let you know that silence and solitude can give you clarity in this room too. My wife and I, we just took a trip to Austin, Texas, just a few weeks ago. Um, and we went to go visit some of our friends that are in the Air Force. And we love them. They're probably watching online. I love you guys. But we went to go visit them. And uh, on this trip, one of the nights, I think it was a Saturday night, my wife, her eye starts to irritate her. And so she starts to rub her eye and her contact falls out. Now, here's the only problem. Without her contacts, my wife cannot see anything. Now, here's another problem. She didn't bring any extra contacts. Another problem. She didn't even bring glasses. Another problem, it was a Saturday night, Sunday, everything is closed, and Monday was a holiday, so everything was going to be closed throughout the rest of the trip. So that means she spent the rest of this trip not being able to see clearly. She spent the rest of this trip bumping into things. She spent the rest of this trip frustrated. She spent the rest of this trip not being able to ride the birds that we wanted to ride all throughout Texas, the ones that we even have here in Miami. But she spent the rest of this trip just devastated because of the fact that she was not able to see clearly because she did not have the thing that gave her the ability to see clearly, the thing that gave her clarity. And I think so many of us are making decisions in our life, not going to the one who gives us clarity, not going to the one who allows us to see clearly, and we are bumping into things, we're frustrated, we're making wrong decision after wrong decision, we keep on going and we keep on seeking help from so many other people rather than going to the one who can give us clarity. Rather than going to the one who can say, hey, I'm the one who guides your steps, I'm the one that leads you beside still waters. I'm the one that grabs you by the hand. I'm the one that goes before you. I'm the one that goes behind you. I'm the one that goes beside you. I'm all around you. We go to everything else besides the one who could give us clarity. And a lot of us need clarity in this room. I'm not sure if there's a decision that you have to make. I'm not sure if there's something that you have to do. There's something that you're like, I just need wisdom for. I just need to know if I'm going the right way. I have this big decision, this big business decision, this big friendship decision, this big relationship decision. Do I get married? Do I do this? I know in my life, I have to go to silence and solitude because I need clarity on whether, hey, should I stay in the apartment that we live in because they're raising our rent and it's super expensive. I know I need clarity. What decisions do you need to make in your life? 
we all have decisions that we got to make and we can't keep going to anything else and everything else besides silence and solitude and allow God to give us peace behind a decision, to allow God to give us passion behind a decision. Maybe you're going to have a peace that's just going to come that you're like, hey, I know this is from God because I, I went to him. He's the one that gives me clarity. Maybe you just got sprung up this passion that you've never had before because it was only God that could have strung up this passion for this decision that you need. Maybe he puts somebody in your life that says, hey, I don't know if this is for you, but God just told me to tell you this, and he just will give clarity if we allow him to do so. Maybe as we're in silence and solitude and we open up our word as he is still speaking through his word, maybe he gives us a word that we just absolutely needed to hear, but we need to go to the one who gives us clarity. Just like he gave clarity to Jesus on who to choose. And so now Jesus has his disciples. They're going ahead and they're doing ministry and they're going ahead and they're setting people free and they're healing people and they're casting out more demons and they're going, they're just, they're just doing it. They're helping people left and right. And there's one time where I love how the Bible's so re relatable because there's one time where they've been doing something all day and it says this, it says, then because so many people were coming, they were filled with people, so many people engaging with them, going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Oh, anyone know that feeling? <laughs> where life is so busy, where you're like, I haven't even had a chance to eat today. I'm sure all the parents in the room can say amen. But we're over busy, we're over tired. And he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Come with me to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves and watched more Netflix. Oh no, it doesn't say that. So they went away and by themselves and they got another drink together. Oh no, it doesn't say that. So they went ahead and they went back to those crowds and they, they went to substance. No, it doesn't say that. It says they went in a boat to a solitary place, to the Aramos. Why? Because silence and solitude refreshes you. Are you tired in this room? Has your life been so busy? Have you been going from doing to doing to doing? Have you been just, you're opening up your company and maybe you, you're a CEO of a company in here and you're just working and you haven't seen your kids in a while and you haven't had a dinner with your family. You haven't sat down with your wife. You haven't came to church. This is the first time you're here for a long time. This is the first time that you're able to just relax. This is the first time that you're able. Have you just been busy? Can I tell you that silence and solitude refreshes you? Because so many of us are just going at a pace that we are not meant to go at. And we're actually just doing and doing and going and going. And we've actually gone from being a human being to a human doing. A human being is supposed to be. A human being is supposed to be with God, spend time with God, be intimate with God. But yet we are just so busy doing. You in this room where you just haven't had a chance to relax. You haven't had a chance to just sit back. I want to promise you that silence and solitude, it will refresh you in this room. It will give you the strength that you need. It will give you the perspective that you needed to go ahead and keep on moving forward, to keep on moving on another day, to keep on just being encouraged, to be filled with joy. He will give you the refreshing that you need if you allow him to. He wants to be with you. He wants to refresh you, and he just wants to know what's going on. Again, not the, not the perfect version that we try to seem not the perfect version that we try to show everybody else, not the, the Instagram family that we got, that everything in my life is perfect. No, the one that's flawed, the one that's got mistakes, he wants to refresh you. The one that's been going day after day without any rest, dying sleep.
And so I love this passage actually because of the fact that Jesus and the disciples, again, they were going to this place of rest. And then it says that they were going and there, there, there were crowds that literally saw their boat and they recognized Jesus as said. And so they started to run after the boat. And it says that Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them. And so they had to stop what they were doing. They had to stop their refreshing and they had to go and say, hey, we're gonna go ahead and feed 5,000 people right now. They hadn't eaten anything, but they were gonna feed 5,000 people in this moment. So sometimes we're gonna actually try to do this. We're gonna actually try to sit in silence and solitude. We're gonna set up our week. We're gonna set up our day. We're gonna be intentional about trying to do this and then something will come up. Maybe you get up early one morning and that's the morning that your kids get up earlier than ever before. Or maybe you actually set a place and you got your place and you're sitting down and that's where your dog or your cat is just going to go ahead and scratch at your feet. No matter what, there's gonna always be a distraction. Maybe you set a week where, hey, this is the day that I'm just gonna stop everything I'm doing and that's the day that something goes wrong at work and you just can't stop thinking about it. You just can't get your thought, I gotta text this person. I gotta go ahead and stop what I'm doing to get at this. So there's gonna be times where there's gonna be interruptions. But then it said that even amongst his day, Jesus at nighttime <laughs> went to sleep late and he says he got alone with God and prayed. Because even though we might have a distraction that might come in the way, he needed to be refreshed. We all need to be refreshed in this room. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what your life is like. Whether If you don't think you need it, that's probably because you need it more than ever. We all need to be refreshed in this room, though. And so Jesus, imagine he's refreshed. He's got all these things going for him. The disciples, maybe they're refreshed, too. And then life has a way of coming about you, right? Life sometimes has a way of flipping upside down. And so Jesus now at this point, he just finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, just got killed. He just got beheaded. And it's like, hey, I can forget that Jesus is human too. And if you've ever lost somebody, you know that it hurts. If you've gone through a divorce, you know that it hurts. If somebody's hurt you, you know that it hurts. If somebody's backstabbed you, you know that it hurts. I'm sure Jesus was hurting in this moment. But it says this in, Luke chap in Matthew chapter 14. When Jesus heard what had happened, catch this, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Somebody say solitary place. He went right back to the airmost. Why? Because silence and solitude helps you heal. Do you need to heal in this room? Are you coming in here so full of pain? Are you coming in here so hurt? Suppressing it isn't gonna keep helping. Making it seem like everything is okay isn't gonna keep helping. Going to substances like alcohol, drugs, people to validate you is not gonna keep helping. Going from relationship to relationship because you just went through a bad one is not gonna keep helping. There's only one thing that's gonna heal your soul there's only one thing that's going to heal your emotions. There's only one thing that's going to heal you from the inside out. And that's when I can get alone with God. And I can remember what the psalmist says as he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. See, the Hebrew translation for be still, it literally means to let go of your grip. Are you hurting in this place and you are holding on to so much pain, so much hurt? I think it's time to let go of your grip. Jesus, he went onto this boat. And I think some of us, we can stay into a, silent, a solitude place when we're in hurt and we actually end up getting stuck. 
we actually stay there and it's been three years, five years, seven years, and you haven't gotten out of this hole. You haven't gotten out of this shell that you've put yourself in. You don't talk to anybody anymore. You stop going to connect group. You stop doing all of these things because you're hurting. There's a time and a season for silence and solitude, but there has to come a point where Jesus, he got out of the boat and went right back to helping people. Because when you're refreshed and you've been healed, you can now operate out of this place of silence and solitude. And so it comes, the healing comes when we've allowed him to heal us. We've allowed him to be with us. Maybe you're in this room and you need healing. Consider silence and solitude. Consider getting into this place where you can get alone with God where you can allow him to do something brand new in you, where you can allow him to renew your mind, where you can allow him to do something fresh, where you can allow him to heal that inner part of the soul that nobody else and nothing else can. Maybe you're in this place and maybe you're you're like, I'm good. Everything's great. My life is perfect. Well, here's the thing. Jesus promised one thing. He says, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. But he also says, take heart because I've overcome the world. So he says that. In this world, you would have trouble. So we know that it's not if something's going to happen, but it's when. And I love that silence and solitude, not only does it heal you, but it also prepares you for any circumstance. Silence and solitude, it can prepare you for any circumstance. See, we're about to go to youth camp where we're about to take 300 middle school and high school students. And I'm super pumped. It's amazing. And so I've been to quite a few camps, but I love whenever it's somebody's first camp. Whenever it's somebody's first camp and they have no idea what to expect, they have no idea what to bring. They always go ahead and they bring their, their nicest clothes. They bring their freshest kicks, the ones that they literally just bought the day before and they can't wait to stunt at camp. But then they get to camp and realize, oh my gosh, everything is muddy, everything is disgusting. Like most of us, we wanna burn our clothes after going to camp. We never want these things to come. I literally, my bed sheets from last year, I'm like, hey, I'm leaving these things here. I never wanna take anything back because it can be kind of gross. Like we know we're gonna go through some dirt. We're gonna go through some mud. We're gonna go through some sweatiness and it's gonna be a little bit disgusting, but it's the best week of our lives. Like it's amazing. But here's the thing about camp. When somebody, there's those smart students that ask somebody that's been before and they say, hey, can you tell me what to bring? Because I've never been before. And if somebody's been before, they're gonna tell them, okay, here's the thing. Don't bring anything nice. Don't bring anything that you don't wanna keep. Don't bring anything that you don't wanna get messed up. And if those students, they're prepared. Those students are prepared to go through some mess. Those students are prepared to get dirty. Those students are prepared to go through some mud. Those students are prepared to maybe even get hurt. Those students are prepared to go through some sweatiness. Those students are prepared to go through all the tribe wars that we got, but they are prepared. See, here's the thing about silence and solitude. Silence and solitude prepares us for when we are about to go through a mess. It prepares us when we are about to go through some dirt. It prepares us when we are about to go through the toughest moments of our life. It prepares us because there's somehow, when I'm in silence and solitude, it starts to give me a joy that I never had before. Oh, when I'm in silence and solitude, it starts to give me a peace before. It starts to refresh me. It starts to do something new. That it doesn't matter what comes my way. It doesn't matter what stands in front of me. I know that God has prepared me for this. He has set me up. He's told me an alley-oop and I'm ready to finish. I can go through. I don't know what season you're about to step into, but I promise you the silence and solitude might be your answer to prepare for that season. Jesus is getting prepared to go into the worst time of his life. He's about to go through the toughest thing that he's ever going to have to endure. He's about to go onto the cross. It says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives place of silence and solitude, and his disciples followed him. On reaching this place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. 
He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus knew what he was about to face and to prepare. He didn't go to anything else but to the Father in silence and solitude. Are you in a tough season right now? Are you in a season that you don't know how you're gonna overcome it? Are you in a season where you're like, hey, I don't know how I'm gonna keep on moving forward? Silence and solitude will prepare you. It will move you. It will allow you to keep on going forward. And it's not just silence and solitude just to sit there and do nothing, but it's intimate time with the Father as he guides you every step of the way. Or maybe you're thinking, hey, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? Because the reality is, is I need to be refreshed. I need some clarity in my life. I need some healing and I need a fresh perspective on how I'm gonna keep on moving and I need some preparedness to keep on moving forward. How do I do this? Well, first of all, it's gonna take some intentionality. It's gonna take you to go ahead and make some time that you've never made before. It's gonna require you to make me wake up five minutes earlier than you ever have. Maybe go to sleep 10 minutes later, but I believe that there's a few things that you can do today that will help you going into silence and solitude. First of all, you gotta create your space. You gotta create your space. There's something about having a space. When you have a space set, it's almost like you look forward to it. It's almost like, hey, I can't wait to get to that place where maybe I have some coffee, maybe I'm just sitting by myself, but I know that I'm gonna be refreshed. Like there's something about having that space. I know for me, I got three spaces depending on the day, the time, the weeks that I'm about to have. And for me, it's in my office if I know that nobody's gonna be there or it's in my balcony if it's nighttime because it's mad hot to be in there during the day or it's my couch if it's in the morning and nobody's up. Those are my three spots that I know that I'm gonna go to and I've created my space. I've tried driving while praying. Reality is I'm trying not to get hit by Miami drivers. I've tried doing it in the shower, but I'm trying not to get like shampoo in my eye when doing it. And I forget that I'm praying. But if you create your space, if you create this place where it's like, I can't wait to get there, it'll change everything. But not only do you create your place, but then you got to set a time, take your time and know your season. Set a time, take your time and know your season. So you got to set a time because if we don't actually set a time to do it, reality is, is we're never going to do it. But if we set a time and say, hey, I know that on Wednesday mornings, I have 10 extra minutes than I usually do in the mornings. That's the time that I'm going to do it. It'll change everything. And also know your season. I say know your season because we know that it's summer break and your kids are home all the time and you don't maybe have the same time that you would have, but maybe now the school's about to go back. Maybe you get to drop your kids off just 10 minutes earlier and you can get to work. And as you get to work for 10 minutes, I'm just going to sit there in my car and with my, with my phone off and no distractions on. And it's just me alone with God. Once you've created your space and you've taken a time, you've made your time, then you got to turn off any distractions. There's a lot of distractions that are getting to us. Our phones are our number one. You can turn that thing on and turn off notifications. And the best thing about that, if it's an emergency, somebody will call you two, three times. And so if that's the case, you can pick it up. But if, if it's not important, they'll call you once and they'll understand. And so you can turn off notifications. You can turn off the radio. You can turn off anything that will distract you and just say, God, it's just me and you. There's nobody else here. It's just me and you. And once we've gone ahead and we've created our space, We've set our time. We've turned off our distractions. Now we can set a goal, but have grace on yourself. You set a goal. Maybe, hey, this week, I want to do it three times. Three times. And maybe you mess up. Maybe there was a distraction that came and you couldn't do three times and you only did one. Maybe you only did two. It's okay. 
Bible says that the righteous fall seven times, but they get right back up. And so you just have grace on yourself and say, hey, I'll make it up. I'll go ahead and I'll step into it and I'll make the time for you. But I promise you, if you're in this room, you need to be refreshed. You need clarity for a decision. Your soul needs to be healed. Or you just need a fresh perspective. It's gonna start with some silence and solitude, some intimacy with the Father. And as the keys are just going behind me, I just wanna take a moment. And for just a few seconds, I'm gonna ask if everybody could just close their eyes and bow your heads just right where you are. And maybe you're in this room and maybe you've never taken time to be alone with God. Or maybe it's been so long. I just want you to do something. We're gonna maybe take 15, 20 seconds. Here's what I want you to do first. Take a deep breath. And where you are, just tell God, I'm here. Lord, I'm here. I'm present with you. It's just me and you. I'm not worrying about who's to my left. I'm not worrying about who's to my right. It's just me and you. Dwell in his presence. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you in silence and solitude, God. Lord, thank you that we don't have to go to a priest to talk to you. Thank you that we don't have to go to another man to have a conversation with you, but we have direct access to you because of what Jesus did on the cross, Lord. And we sit here, Lord, and we know that you're here. We know that you're present, God. We thank you that as we sit with you and as we dwell with you, God, you can refresh us. You can give us a new perspective. You can heal us, God. And you can do something brand new in us, Lord. I pray for anybody in here, God, that has just been going through a season. Somebody that's just dealing with hurt in this room, God. Maybe somebody that just is going through a middle of a divorce right now. Or for the person that just lost a family member. God, I'm I'm praying that you meet them where they are in this room, God. That they don't have to try to suppress the feelings. They don't have to try to act like they're okay all the time. But they come to you flawed. We come to you imperfect. We come to you knowing that we, sometimes our life can be a mess, but we know that you are. And so Lord, we give you all praise this morning. We give you all glory. We give you all honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey church, can we stand up to our feet for a moment? I wanna give somebody in this room an opportunity. Maybe you're in this room and we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about this God that absolutely is in love with you and he desires to know you. I wanna let you know that no matter how you walked into this place, whether you've never had a relationship with God or whether you feel like, hey, I once knew God, but I am a thousand miles away. I feel so far away. I also wanna let you know that the reason you are in this room is because you are one step away from coming back to him. You are one step away to being in his presence. You are one step away to grasping that love that he has for you. See, Jesus, he loves you so much. He loves each and every single one of you so much, so much that the Bible says that there's a price to our mistakes. There's a price to our sin. The Bible says that sin, it separates us away from God. So we know that sometimes it can, it'll make us feel like we are far away from God, but there's actually a price to sin. The Bible says that the price of sin, the wages of sin is death. 
like that's what we deserve and not just physical death, which we will all have, but an eternal death. And that's what we deserve because sin has a price. See, back in the Old Testament, people had to literally make sacrifices in order to amend their mistakes, in order to amend their sins, in order to amend. Jesus saw that there's a price to this. And he says, hey, I don't want my people to have to pay that price anymore. I don't want you to have to keep trying to do based on your own activities, trying to do based on what you can do and trying to live this perfect life. And if maybe if I live this perfect life, everything will be good. But the reality is, is that we've all messed up. We've all done wrong. We've all said wrong. We've all thought wrong. And so that would disqualify all of us from being perfect. But there was one man who walked a perfect life and his name is Jesus. Jesus, he walked this perfect life and he said, hey, I'm gonna pay that price that my people deserve. And so he went up on that cross and he says, hey, he had you in mind while he was on that cross. He had you, yeah, the imperfected one, the one that's full of flaws, the one that messed up yesterday, the one that messed up a week ago, the one that did something that you haven't told anybody about, yep, you. He had you on his mind and he'll do it for you any single time because he absolutely loves you. And so Jesus, he pays this price. And not only did Jesus die on that cross, but three days later, he resurrected and is alive today. And the only thing that he wants from you is to have a relationship with him. He just wants you to know that because of him, there is no more pain in the future. There is no more sorrow in the future beyond this earth. There is nothing but beauty and majesty and just grace and love in the presence of God beyond this earth. Maybe you're in this place and you're saying, hey, I am holding on to so much shame. You don't know what I've done. I've messed up so wrong. Maybe I used to know God, but I'm so far away in this room. He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know that there is eternal life in him. And he's the only way that could go. It's not going to depend on how great you are, how amazing you are, but it's all about how amazing and how great Jesus is. And he wants to have a relationship with you because he absolutely loves you. So I'm going to ask if everybody can close their eyes and bow their heads for one moment. This is just a moment of privacy, a moment of concentration. And if you're in this room and you're saying you don't know Jesus, if you're saying, hey, I want to have a relationship with him, I used to know him, I used to have a relationship with him, or maybe I've never followed him before, but you want to come right back to him. You want to know this God that we're talking about. You want to know that you can be saved. You want to know that there is eternal life beyond here. You want to know that you can have direct access to God. I just want to give you a chance to make this decision. And all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask people to raise their hand when I count to three. But the Bible says that if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so that's all we're doing in this room. I'm just leading you into this moment. And so if that's you and you're saying, I wanna make this decision, I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to follow Jesus today. On the count of three, one, two, three. Anybody wants to follow, God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you over here. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody else? You want to follow Jesus? God bless you in the back over here. Amen. Is there anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if you just made that decision, first of all, I just want to let you know you just made the greatest decision of your entire life. There's no better decision than the one you just made. And I want to lead you into a prayer. I want to lead you into a salvation call. And again, it's not this prayer that saves you, but I just want to make this first one for you easy. And so it's going to go like this, and everybody's going to join along. You say, dear Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Jesus, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I just want to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, come on, can we make some noise for everybody who just made a decision to 
follow Jesus. I just want to let every single person know that made a decision today that we want to walk with you on this journey. You just made the greatest decision that you will ever make. And we want to give you a free gift. Thank you, Jorman. And so if we want to give you this free gift. And we believe really this is the mouth of God. We believe that God, he still speaks through his word. And maybe you're saying, hey, I don't know what's, what to do next. I want to encourage you, come back next week. Don't let this be your first time, but then get one of these. We have an amazing team outside under a tent that wants to give you one of these Bibles, but this will bless your life. And I promise you, if you get into community, you go ahead and you get into the word and you say, hey, I'm going to actually practice this and get into silence and solitude. Your life can be transformed forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jorman. One more time. Can we make some noise for everybody who just made a decision in this room? Silence and solitude. Don't let it just be a Sunday word. Allow it to be something that we could practice on our everyday basis. Take intentionality. This is a Monday word, a Tuesday word, a Wednesday word, a Thursday word. This will bless your week. Amen. So I'm gonna pray for you guys one last time. Now let's leave here singing and praising God one more time. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're gracious, God. We thank you that we can actually come to you and that we can love you and that you love us way before we even loved you, Jesus. I pray that you transform our hearts, you transform our weeks, God, and allow us to just know you more. Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, church.